0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. We'll do our next sit before long, but I don't want to start off directly with the sit. Uh, sometimes coming back after lunch, you know, this can be a sleepy time, and you may need to digest a little bit. And um, I actually want to get to a little a little further in the material, and then we'll but we'll do another sit pretty soon. Any questions from the morning? That was a lot. Of, we went through a lot. Yeah. Okay. So these these teaching things, are people like it out? Not so much in meetings, but definitely, definitely, people. You know, when you hear different teachers, um, you know. I think most people are, well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you hear people, people are civil and polite and everything, but, um, um, I mean, and different people come from different points of view, like you hear where I'm coming from, I'm not saying it's better than we're right compared to, but, you know, I'm pretty open and I'm not saying there's any right or wrong. Other people don't, don't see it that way, they say no, 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 and people hold their views, um, in um, America, as Jack was saying, you know, there's nothing wrong, actually, I didn't read that part of the quote, but, uh, it was he he said there's nothing wrong with holding a view strongly it's the i've got the right way and others are wrong part that's uh, so let me see if i can find it i mean i appreciated just you know we read that quote today and really appreciated um Here. I didn't read this part actually, so this was I skipped over this when we read the quote this morning. So this was a skip. Oh I'm on page one hundred eight here. Yeah. So I had skipped over one little piece here. So Jack had said in the early part when he was saying this mandala of skillful means, and then he had said throughout Buddhist Asia people are very opinionated about their views on jhana and on vipassana and what makes insight. And then I said, in Buddhist America also, and Jack said, in Buddhist America also, but it is not as bad here. There are a few very opinionated people whose names I will not mention, but they make their opinions very clear. And I find that amusing. I don't see something wrong with holding a Dharma perspective strongly. It is the, I have the true way and the others are wrong part that is added. In the Sutta Napata, the Buddha explained that those who cling to views annoy other people. (laughs) The Buddha didn't say it exactly that way, but yes, something like that. He goes, and suffer themselves. In fact, there is a much more open-minded and less dogmatic approach in general in the U.S. and in the West than I found between students and teachers in Buddhist Asia. This has come about because we have access to the Dharma in this entire mandala. So... um, you know, I pr- I really just appreciate kind of the just the way he's holding it all. And, and, and it is true because we see people apparently have gotten tremendous benefit of, of their Dharma practice in practice in many, many different ways. So that's the important thing. There's not a right or wrong or one better than another. It's just, you know, what fits each of our needs and our temperaments. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, from the little reading I did of the, of the suttas, uh, I get the impression reading, you know, the bhikkhus, uh, he goes into some uh, forest or whatever, and, and he explains something that the Buddha feels this is the right way. Right. So my sense is that that the Buddha felt there was a right way, yes. but now we've kind of lost the what his in, his true intention is. Or I don't think that I, I want to separate out two things. Actually, it's a good point you're bringing. I think the Buddha did, it was talking about a right way, as far, um, but. I don't hear him saying there's one way of practice that's the white right practice. And I think it's what Jack said earlier, if I can just repeat. So 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 if you look at the basic Dharma principles about and not even trying to understand, like, what is the nature of enlightenment or anything like that? But just the basics of coming to a liberation through non-clinging and um the nature of like the, the three characteristics of, you know, impermanence and selflessness and dukkha and all that kind of stuff and the Eightfold Path. The basic Dharma teachings, I don't think, I think it was clear. And then it gets down to, um, and so what I appreciate what Jack is saying, I'm just going to repeat what I read, this little piece from earlier. He said, any practice that cultivates mindfulness and wise effort and investigation and joy and concentration, and calm, and equanimity, and compassion will bring one to liberation. And there are many, many ways to do that. So just from Jack Cornfield's perspective, he's still saying we want to cultivate mindfulness, wise effort, investigation, joy, concentration, calm, equanimity, compassion. He's not saying that those aren't important, but there's many, many ways to do that. You know, you don't have to be in Theravada Buddhism, or maybe not Buddhists at all. Or you know, So that's where we want to be very spacious about right or wrong ways. And even in what we're focusing on today, you know, we've already seen, again, I keep saying we're going to get into these controversies in a little bit this afternoon, uh, since we've kind of laid the foundation, Uh, but where we're going to end up with is, and that was really the whole point I'm trying to make, is we don't actually have have to have a controversy once we just see, there's just some differences that we understand, and they're not like, oh, you're interpreting it right or wrong so much. And of course, we can practice for ourselves in any of these ways and then see, what a result am I getting? That's one of the things Tan Jeffs stresses so much is being as honest as we can about what's actually happening in our practices. So all these different views are within the Theravada tradition. Right. Today we're only talking about Theravada Buddhism. Okay. Or another way to say it is the Pali language tradition, which is Theravada Buddhism. Okay. Uh, where can I find more information about how it is seen in other traditions too. Samadhi in particular? Yes. I don't know. There's a few books out there. Um, Let's see, Alan Wallace has a book called The Attention Revolution from Alan Wallace. He's talking from a... Is that his book, The Attention Revolution? I think that's... Yeah, on Samatha practice. There's a book... So when I was originally going to do this book... Actually, I was going to try and take the same level, but then actually take through all these Mahayana things and bring it in. It would have ended up being this. And second of all, it's because, you know, there's so much suttas and everything. It just seemed like so maybe someday someone should do that also. Uh, and I've actually I've already gotten a little criticism that this didn't do that. But it was just the scope is just the scope of what it is. Uh, and it's a matter of fact, if you go on Amazon.com, there are two reviews. One of them's about the book, and then one of them's <laughs> complaining that uh <laughs> not about the book but about that but um so um you know someone should do that and i'm but I don't know if anybody's really done that you can I don't know I mean why hasn't anyone done this in this tradition like this before right uh, that's Matthew Flickstein's book yeah. Yeah. right. So that's so he's given you a teaching, and, and most of the books that are out. There, I don't want to get off on this too much, but are coming from a particular teacher's perspective. What we're trying to do is step back and kind of look at the, all of this, and 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 then we can see where he's he's, you know, fits, where Shiloh Catherine's book Focus and Fearless fits, where John Brahms' book Mindfulness Bliss and Beyond, and all these other where they're all where they all fit in there. Um, if you turn to page ten in your uh, handout. I just want to point out a few things in Jhana and the Vasudhi we because we've, what we've done, if you wanted the overview from the morning just to, just to say what we've done, is we looked at a little bit of the history of what's this Vasudhi Magha and what's the suttas. And then we looked at basically very quickly that Jhana has a very, very important place in the suttas and it's always defined as, I mean, right Samadhi has an important place and it's always defined as Jhana. And then we skipped over to the Vasudhi Magga because that's the style that influences most of our Dharma scene. Uh, uh, And we talked about how there's these two paths, tranquility and insight. And you could either go directly to insight without even thinking about jhana. And I also mentioned that, uh, I didn't mention that that's actually called dry insight. Not derogatory. The word dry is not derogatory. It just means not moistened, by the moisture of jhana. And someone had asked me, well, what's that moistened by? And then I thought, I don't know. And then someone said, well, maybe it's those similes have so much water in them. It could be where it came from. So it's said to be not moistened by the moisture of jhana. So it's called dry insight. Not not That's not negative to call it dry. Or you have a path of tranquility where you cultivate jhana first and then you come out of jhana and you do this separate path of practice called insight practice then we went to this, to the back to the suttas, and then we went into a fair amount of detail. We couldn't do everything, but it was quick. But I thought we did a decent job looking at the jhana in the suttas, and that's where we ended. What I would like to do now is, um, I want to say a few things now about what's different about jhana in the Vasudhimag. It's going to be very, very short. And then, I'm not sure where we're going to sit do the sitting in here, but then we're going to look at, Satipatthana Sutta, Anapanasati Sutta, Seven Factors of Enlightenment. How does samadhi fit in there? And then we'll go through the main controversies, and that's really that that people have. You know, what is jhana? Are there really two paths of practice or or one? Is jhana even necessary? And that's what we'll do for today. Yes, ma'am. Should one identify what type of sitting they want to do before they begin? Well, I I, I I don't know. Uh, I mean, look. For many of us, we practice in the way that we were taught and learned. Maybe over time we get exposed to a range of teachers, possibly right. And maybe we naturally connect with one or two more than others. And we may just that's or maybe we haven't even done that. Maybe we've just learned it. And, you know, you did a retreat at Spirit Rock, or you go with a particular teacher and you hang out, and that's what you learned, right? And that's just what you do, and it's fine and good. So. Great, you don't. There's no have to. Um, I think one of the things that's happened is because the insight meditation scene in this country has, mo- it's, as I said earlier, it's, other influences have come in over time. So it's not what I'm about to say isn't 100, percent, but that it's mostly been based on come out of Mahasi Sayadaw's teaching and it's it's the pure dry insight path of the Vasudhi Magha. really that's the insight meditation scene in this country and then over time people have been getting interested in samadhi and jhana then how's it practiced and so and then what's happening is people are hearing from different voices all of a sudden um well, wait a minute you're saying one thing you're saying something else and what is jhana and they're not all agreeing and so because of that, it, for those of us who are being exposed in this way, I do think it's useful to educate ourselves. Well, what's really going on? Once we educate ourselves, what you do about it, I, I don't know what to tell you to do. Um, keep practicing how you have. You may make shifts in your practice. Um, you know, I'm, I've been, I haven't done much because I only did one sit, but I've been introducing a little something you can experiment with, breath meditation. You, that sort of. That, haven't gotten into it, but that integrates them all together and you may try it out or you may, I don't know what to tell you. Some of us will continue to be pure, dry insight meditators. Some of us will be interested in samadhi and jhana and we'll sort of aim in those directions and may do it in a style that's kind of a Sudhir style. Some of us may want to do that and it'll be more like I do, which is kind of integrates them all together and it's more of a Sutta style. Some of us may be Zen practitioners, right? If you're doing zazen, you're not doing any. You're just. It's just kind of a sitting and being, right? Isn't that true? You're kind of just expressing the Buddha nature that's already. uh, Maybe not saying it right, so I want to be careful. You know, it's all good. That's the good news. Is that I don't think you can go wrong. I, I don't think you can screw it up. I like what Jack said. Anything you do that's developing some mindfulness and some stability of mind. If you look on page 10 of your notes, I just have a little short piece. I just couldn't get into it much. John in the Vasudhi Maga. So just a few things. This is not, remember, I, for those of you who came later, um, I mentioned that you don't have to learn everything in these notes, that I was going to mention a few of the key points to remember. Uh, what, we're, what we're going to say now, none of this is the key points that you need to remember. But it's just, just it's up to you. So remember, we said that in the in the Suttas, there's only four jhanas, right? The formless attainments, none of that's called jhana. There's just the four jhanas in the Suttas. In the Vasudhimaga, those formless, the four jhanas in the Vasudhimaga, in the the four jhanas in the Suttas, have been renamed rupa jhanas in the Vasudhimaga. Rupa means form, like your body. So the rupa jhana, if you hear the term rupa jhana, just know that's the four jhanas they're talking about in the suttas. Those formless attainments that we mentioned in the jhanas, the, the Pali word is arupas. In the They're never called jhanas in the suttas, they're, suttas, they're just called arupas. Rupas means just form, formless states. Means form. Yeah. In the Magga they are also mostly called Arupas. However, there are a few places where they're called Arupa Jhanas, formless Jhanas. So that's where that comes from. It's there a little bit, but not much. Actually, usually in the Magga, the four Arupas and those four formless Jhanas. In the Vasudhimagor, as I say in your notes, are really put together to call the eight attainments. So if you ever hear these terms, that's just what they're talking about. So you just know. Oh, one other little side thing I didn't put in your notes, just in case you're interested. Sometimes you'll hear people talk about like jhanas one, two, three and four. We saw that in the suttas, one, first, second, third and fourth. But then you'll hear people say I was in the fifth jhana, the sixth, the seventh or the eighth jhana. They're referring to those four arupas or arupa jhanas, formless attainments. I was interested in that. Uh, I asked Biku Bodhi about that. He was uh, a reviewer on on my book, one of the reviewers. And I asked him. I said, I couldn't. I can't find that nomenclature anywhere. He said, it doesn't. Ex- he, as far as he can find, that numbering of John is five, six, seven, eight does not appear anywhere. It's not in the Suttas, not the commentaries, not the sub commentaries, and not in the Vasudhimaga. And I asked him, well, where does he think it came from? And he says his guess. It's a guess. Was is that it was an innovation of. A mod, perhaps uh, innovation of a modern teacher, and he was guessing maybe someone like Ayakima uh, might have started calling them 6, five, six, seven, and eight. So, uh, just a little side; it's not important. This all just words. It's just na- labeling. It's not not of any consequence. And that is what would say, right? Okay. Yeah, not just him; others too. Yeah, but he comes from that lineage of- right. That's one of the reasons, maybe, why Bikubodi was thinking that it might have been from out of Ayakima. Akai- not in a single place. I couldn't find it anywhere. And I don't know all the, you know, sub-sub-commentaries. But Bhikkhu Bodhi, he just knows all that stuff. He says it doesn't exist anywhere. It's kind of interesting. But you know, so people are, it's not, that's not that much of an innovation, right? Who cares? It's just naming things, right? So whether you call it Arupas, as in the suttas, or Arupas, or occasionally Arupajanas in the Vasudhimag, or you call it Janas 5, 6, 7, 8. As long as we know what we're talking about. That's a little sad. So, so just a couple of things on the jhana factors. I already, so I already mentioned that a big, um, that the vasudhimaga is clear. That the type of samadhi we're talking about is fixed concentration. There's no debate, is it? Like that, what I was calling unification of mind. But we're going to revisit again. In the vasudhimaga, they're explicit. It's fixed, one pointed concentration. You lose the experience of changing formations, right? Vasudhimagga is clear about that. Sutta is not so clear, although I, we're going to look closer. Vasudhimagga is clear that you can't, you've lost. There's no awareness of the body in Vasudhimagga Jhana, and we'll look again. This is I'm sort of saying this for the people who came later. All those Jhana similes that. It's just so clearly, obviously connecting to the body. So we're going to look at, well, how can they, how do they reconcile that? But, Vasudhimagga, no debate. No body awareness. It says it explicitly. There's, I can point you to the quote. It's right there. Another reason why you have to do, you have to come out of jhana to do insight practice. You can't experience changing. See, in the Vasudhimagga, if you do that kind of jhana, you definitely have to Come out of that to, do, to have insight, and we also mentioned there's actually no such thing as insight meditation in the suttas. that was another I mean there's the practices that we're calling insight but I don 't actually lay it out like in the Vauta uh, The jhana factors, the Vitaka vichara, which, which is the hardest thing to get a handle on what it, what it really the intended meaning is. I mentioned earlier in the Vasudhimaga uh, specifically, clearly means connecting and sustaining the attention on the meditation object. And they give a lot of images about that. I didn't have a, I didn't put them in your notes here. But it's like they'll say it's like the attention goes to the whatever the object It's like striking a bell. There's the strike and then the sustained sound that stays with it. They use all these different kind of images but so they're very clear. Um, in the piti, uh, they get very specific. We're not going to do that here, that rapture or the bliss. And they break it up into five different kinds. And it's so they get very, very detailed. None of that's in the suttas, but the Vasudhi very, very detailed. Sukha, pleasure or happiness. And actually, one point I do want to make about that. is that's not in your notes. Yeah, sorry. Let me look up one thing here. Sorry, hang on you guys. Here we go. Right. So in the, in the... So in the Vasudhi... Remember I said in the suttas there's this... Uh, the, the sukha, whether it's meant to be mental happiness or pleasure or in the body. And it's, it's pretty clear it was in the body with those similes. In the Vasudhi Maga, it's all mental. Remember, you can't feel your body. So what they say, what I was trying to look up a particular quote, but it's not important. Um, it's a mental, the bliss is mental. Which, and then when it settles down into the sukha, um, it's mental. And then they say when you come out of the jhana and can feel your body again, it'll also be resi- left over in the body. You'll feel it then, even though you're not in the jhana anymore. So that's just. And then the ak- akagata, the one pointedness, uh, we already have talked about that. It's not unification mind. All right. See how we're doing on the time. Would you guys be okay just a little bit more before we actually sit silently or are you bursting to sit? I'm just taking a poll of the room. We're going to sit. I promise you. Here's the thing. Um, I, I want to use the sit to break up. I don't know if we're going to get two sits in, just given how the days. I mean, two more sits in. We're going to get one more for sure. I want to make sure I, I kind of break up. So let me just do a little bit more and then we'll sit. Maybe we can get two sits in. Um, would you please turn in your notes to page um, two? Two. I want to at least look at the seven, seven factors of enlightenment, and then may, then we'll do a sit. So let me read you a quote. Actually, I, I paraphrased it there, where, where it says, number two, Samadhi and important Buddhist lists. All those who escaped from the world in the past or escape now, or will escape in the future. He's saying all those have become arhats or have become fully enlightened. The quote's not there, I just summarized it. Did so, do so, and will continue to do so by, and it's only three things. This, this is an important statement and appears in several places in the Sutta, not just one. There's only three things they've done. They've abandoned the, the five hindrances. And then with minds well established in the four foundations of mindfulness, number two, they develop the seven factors of enlightenment. That's it, according to this. It's it's another way, one of several ways that you can summarize the whole path. Abandoning the hindrances, developing the four foundations of mindfulness, and through that, developing the seven factors of enlightenment. And as a matter of fact, in the Satipatthana, the four foundations of mindfulness sutta, it says the four foundations of mindfulness fulfill uh, uh, the, the seven factors of enlightenment. Or, right through that. So it's even there in the sutta. Okay. So that's a big statement. So let's take a look at this very, very important list called the seven factors of enlightenment and see where does samadhi and jhana, are they connected? I mean, Samadhi's is actually uh, in there, but um, you know, what is it talking about? What level is it talking about? Right. Well, that's a big statement. If you're ever going to get enlightened, you've got to get the seven factors enlightened. So we want to know, is it talking about just getting some concentration? Does it have to be jhana? I don't know. Let's take a look. So... Um, I list at the bottom of page two what those seven factors of enlightenment are. We won't go into the Pali, but these are pretty decent translations. The first one, mindfulness. And then the next three are generally called energizing factors. There's investigation or discernment of dhammas or of, of the of dharma or of things. Energy and rapture, that's the piti. And then the next three are Tranquilizing or calming, tranquility, concentration, and equanimity. That's the seven factors of enlightenment. The seven factors of enlightenment are present throughout a wide range of levels of samadhi. If you get just a little bit of calmness and concentration, you can feel a little PT and everything, you know, so it's, 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 they're there. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot of strengths to them. So now we kind of see, well, where, what's the culmination of the seven factors of enlightenment? That's what we want to see. Because they're there, right? You don't have to have it. You may never have practiced in your life. You can be mindful for a moment. There's a factor. It's present right there. You can have equanimity or any of these. Okay. Um Okay. I'll also mention that the seven factors of enlightenment is presented in the sutras. It's both as a basic list, just it gives them a list of factors and as um, stepwise progression is given in there also, where one leads to the other. Right. And you can see that through mindfulness. We, you investigate, right? You're using the mindfulness you investigate, right? And, um, um, you know, one leads to the other. As you investigate, you know, you're putting in some effort there. Energy's aroused. And as you do that, you get deeper in. It can lead to rapture. As you get more absorbed in. And then as that settles out, like the steps in the jhana, it can lead to more of a calming, a tranquility, the concentration stronger, concentration and equanimity. It's, anyway, but it is given specifically as a um, progression also. Um, So John is not mentioned here. Now you could say, well it says samadhi, and unless explicitly stated otherwise, would the Buddha be speaking of something other than right samadhi? Right samadhi of the Eightfold Path, as we saw, is... The four jhanas. So, is it talking about not having right samadhi here? So, I'm just throwing that out there. I, we can't. It's just one piece of the puzzle. Right? Probably, it means as the as the seven factors of enlightenment. This is my interpretation. As it comes to its fruition or its culmination, we would have to say it's jhana, because that's the definition in the, according to the texts. I think I want to take a look here that, that the seven factor of enlightenment in its step by it can be viewed as a condensed summary actually of the step by step path to jhana. I'm this is this is one of those areas, remember I told you there'd be some things I think are I think are pretty clear in other places that it's open to interpretation and it's controversial. We're in controversy territory. <laughs> so just because I'm saying this, it's not the only possible way to interpret it. But we want to look at that there, so we understand the meaning of samadhi. You know. Um, by the way, um, both the seven factors of enlightenment and jhana—they're both in the, explicitly in different places in the sutta—said to be based on virtue. Their rise p- dependent on abandoning the five hindrances. So all the same supportive conditions are, are listed for both, right? So, let's look at what I've put down here on page three of your notes. I've got some bold text there, and what I've done is I've got some quotes, and I've tried to highlight certain words that, uh, that, that, from the jhana definitions, or from statements in the suttas that are leading directly up to jhana, or it, we'll see where they come from that are the seven factors of enlightenment right there. Well, actually, I haven't gotten to page three, but it, just in, in refreshing us to back to page two and with the seven factors of enlightenment, the, 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 the way you've outlined the jhana factors this morning, they use all the same words. Right. They're that, in all of them. Right. <laughs> They're in yeah, yeah. There. I'll just say right <laughs> now that to me... Again, once I say, you don't have to interpret this way. I think that the seven factors of enlightenment, um, when they've reached their culmination, is, is sutta jhana. Matter of fact, I'm going to go further. We haven't, we're we going to get later to the satipatthana sutta. The way I interpret, it's just an interpretation here now, uh, that I don't equate the four foundations of mindfulness with insight, and you don't worry about samadhi, I actually think that the four foundations of mindfulness are the practice that culminates in jhana, sutta jhana, not vasudhimagha jhana, through which one attains insight. We'll say more about that. That's just a teaser. Okay, so let's take a look at some of these real quickly here. So this first quote here comes from this uh, Fruits of the Homeless Life Sutta. Uh, Sutta number two in the long discourses, Dika Nikaya, I didn't give you the reference there. And it's, uh, you know, there's no place where all the details are filled in, in the suttas, in one place. But this is one place that's considered to be the full path. It starts with, of course, this is all monastic tradition, so It starts with someone Leaves the homeless life and becomes ordained and then step by step works through the practices and eventually, you know, takes on sila, m- morality, and then you meditate and then works, and it works up through, uh, jhana and then you do all those, uh, psychic powers were there. You know, it didn't say you have to do them all, but, and the formless attainments are there and then it ends up through, in the, through the, the mind's turned towards insight and all the insight and the liberation comes. And so this is that sutta, important sutta. And look at this. It says, you know, when you know, that's one of the, so we're going to come back, that's, that's the one, that's the shakiest word, so, so don't worry about that one. That the hindrances of left, gladness arises, from gladness comes rapture. From rapture, the body is, tran- his, in his mind, his body is tranquilized. With a tranquil body, he feels happiness. That's sukha, which, remember, I was, could also translate as pleasure. That's the word. The rapture was piti and the sukha. And with happiness, his mind is concentrated, samadhi. And then it says right there, there starts definition of the first jhanas right there. So that's some phrases leading up to jhana right there. The exact terms out of the seven factors of enlightenment. The next formula is coming right from the jhana definition of the second jhana, and I highlighted the words there, rapture, concentration, equanimity, mindfulness, mindfulness, equanimity, all that, from fourth jhana. Uh, those are all the exact poly terms from the seven factors. And here's this next passage when the Buddha was talking about, uh, bef- just before his enlightenment. Tireless energy, there's energy from the seven factors, was aroused, unrelenting mindfulness was established, my body was tranquil and tr- untroubled, my mind concentrated, and then boom, says he goes through all these jhanas. So, six of the seven enlightenment factors appear directly in those passages. Okay. Again, there's no, so I want to be clear, there's no place in the suttas that explicitly says the seven factors of enlightenment equals jhana. Does not say that. So what we're doing is we're trying to have everything inform everything else to see. You know, on the one hand, you can just say this a mishmash in the Jhanas in the Suttas, and it it doesn't um, it, 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 it's 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 um, it doesn't all fit together, right? There's quotes in the Well, there's quotes from the Suttas in the Vasudhi um, yeah, and then they'll interpret it. They'll have a quote in here, and then they'll quote like the one where you can't feel your body. They quote it right out, and they say, "And here's how we interpret it." <laughs> so, and then he'll he'll tell you what it means. So, yeah, they take right out of the, out of the suttas, and then they, they t- then versus just, yeah. right. And so it's again, it's the commentary giving you a certain understanding. Mm-hmm. Um i don 't offhand I could look it up i don 't remember the term sorry um, yeah uh, i don't remember the term i I could easily get it for you um, if you'd like you, we can email or something and i can I can give you the term um, i've got it I actually did a trans- translator but it just in my poor brain it done, the stuff doesn 't stick. And, that comes, uh, your- Yeah, Yeah. I don't think that gl- it, sukha is, uh, um, is what's translated as gladness here. I think it's something else. I think if it was gladness, it would, it's, it would be happiness or pleasure. So, but I just don't remember, I'm sorry. Yeah. So what I'll just say is this. Um, so six of the seven enlightenment factors are... As I said, are there directly. The one that's not there is the investigation, which is Dhamma Vichaya. The second, it's on your list. The second factor of enlightenment. It doesn't show up in this list. But I've been told this is a little stretch. But you know, I'm really trying to make the case here. So, <laughs> but you know, um, as I, I don't know if I did I say this in your notes. Yeah, it's at the bottom there. It says, though discernment or discrimination of the Dharma is not explicitly mentioned in these examples, there is some correspondence. There's the Pali word pasati. So, vipasa, pasati means to see. Uh, as a matter of fact, the word vipassana, insight, the pasana comes from pasati, pasati, to see. That's why it's insight. The vi, has this meaning of like penetrating into and sort of teasing apart to really pick apart and then to see. So it's to see deeply into. Um, but besides to see, there's a secondary meaning to Pasati. That's a real meaning and it means to recognize, to realize, or to know. So, you know, that word up there that, uh, that I said, and when he knows these five hindrances have left him, that's pasati. That's not that far away from the investigation of to discern and to realize and to know. So you can, I think you could, kind of. That's a little weak, I guess. But given the fact that. Um, Right samadhi is jhana, and given the fact that we haven't gotten to when we look at the um, dis, uh, controversies, that of the other things pointing to the importance of clear seeing coming fr- and insight coming out of a mind of jhana, and that statement that's saying anybody's ever been enlightened by uh, you know practicing the four foundational mindfulness that ends in jhana. Um, I think it's a it's a good interpretation to say that the the peak of the seven factors of enlightenment is John, but that's what case that if you take it a different way, you you can legitimately do it, and nobody can say you're wrong. Um, okay. What I thought we could do is then shift gears. Let's have a sitting period. Okay. Then when we're done, we still want to look at the Satipatthana Sutta, the Anapanasati Sutta, and the controversies. I think we can just touch on them pretty quickly and get to the main... So this it will be similar to the one we did this morning in that I want to take just the first few minutes and offer a little something. For those of you who came late um, or just for the afternoon, I'm offering up. If you want to try, you can just let this go if you're not interested. The way I've practiced is breath meditation. And it's a way in which we don't separate out. inside is separate from samadhi, and but, but it all gets synthesized into one practice. And so I'm going to offer another little piece of instruction. The importance in practicing in a way that we say is not separating out two different paths is when the mind is settled and you're able to stay with the breath, and it's natural when you can do that, then you want to practice in that way. And in the times when that's not what's happening, the mind's not settled or the body's hurting or there's so much else going on, we let go of the breath and just in the way you may have taught it, been taught in any insight practice, you just turn your mind fullness to whatever's actually happening and work with that and learn to let go of our suffering around it. And then we come back to the breath when we, uh, when we're ready again. And the breath then stays foundational in that way, but we don't cling to the breath. so this one piece i want to add now it may not actually be appropriate applicable depending on what's happening in your meditation so if you're having a little bit of concentration you can work with what i'm about to say and if you're not very concentrated just keep this in the mind in mind for the future when Maybe this you'll and you'll know. Once the samadhi starts to strengthen even a little bit. We mentioned earlier that there's the nimitta, there's the signs, there's the whatever experiences you're having where the, you know, the mind is getting more concentrated and so when that happens you'll notice that there's actually two separate distinct things going on there's the ex- there's the feeling this experience of the breath itself the actual physical sensations of the breath whether it's the movement of the belly the coolness of the air at the nose same as it was before you had any concentration. And then in addition to that, there's the experiences of the samadhi. Maybe if there's energy moves in the body or there's pleasant feelings, the stillness, the calm. Maybe you see light or energies move in the body or spaciousness, expandedness, or there's so many different ways. It's just whatever way you know that, oh, I'm having, it doesn't have to be words, but oh, there's some concentration happening. Those are two separate things. The experience of samadhi and the physical sensations of of the breath, they're not the same thing. And what you'll notice just by starting to be aware of it is sometimes when this starts to happen for you, when you start to deepen in your practice, sometimes on its own, without you doing anything, the experiences of samadhi will be stronger in your awareness, more predominant in your awareness than the sensations of the breath. The breath will still be there but you'll mostly notice the samadhi. That's fine just go with that. But just be aware. Don't overthink it but just you just want to notice oh it's more into the samadhi you don't even have to use words. Other times even though the samadhi is stronger is strong on its own, the sensations of the breath are popping out to your awareness more than the experience of the samadhi. That's fine. Go with that. You don't have to change it. Just knowing the difference between the two. Sometimes, on its own, the experiences of the breath... And the experience of samadhi can be coming up together. They're kind of mushed in. They're both kind of equal there in your awareness at the same time. Just be aware that it's like that and go let go with that. From time to time, if you want to make a choice and notice the difference... And put your mind in one direction, you know, let your attention focus in one direction or another. That's fine to do. And other times you may choose just to let it just be how it is naturally. And it's just more noticing what's predominant. Is there any question about that little piece I offered on meditation instruction Anybody, if, if for any of you who tried it again it's not applicable if you know if you're not carrying um Samadhi through in your daily life practice then you know you'll have to save that for <laughs> another time um, Just one comment on that um as the samadhi strengthens, it naturally opens in different ways for different people. So for some people, um, as the mind becomes more concentrated, all of that is there, but also just the awareness naturally connects more into awareness of the body and of the mind and the heart, and it just becomes clearer and clearer. And even if you keep going deeper and deeper, even to what you might call jhana, still that connection happens. And for other people, it naturally goes in maybe lots of different directions, but it naturally can go in a direction where you kind of start to get more, I'll use the word absorbed, into the experiences of the samadhi itself and lose the connection with your body and what's going on in the mind. I mean, that's just a way that practice can open. This may not mean, what I'm saying may not mean much, but I'm just letting you know that it can unfold in different ways. And so what we want to do is we want to know where the meditator wants to head. They may not know, you know, which of these styles or anything, but if they do, that's one thing you want to know. And the second thing then is how's it actually unfolding? So depending on what happens then, you can make, it's not a big, gigantic thing, but even little shifts can start to move it in a particular way. And so just this little piece of just being aware of, which we're always aware of, but sometimes people don't notice, oh yeah, there are these two separate things. There's the experience of the samadhi, and then there's just that everyday experience, sensations of the breathing, which are there whether you've got strong concentration or not. Just knowing that they're two separate things starts up, just keeps that knowing quality going. And then there's other things that can happen that can start to make adjustments as you go for example we mentioned earlier in the vasudhimaga you know they might tend to have you if that visual nimitta comes this would be way down the road but if that visual nimitta comes up you know you 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 let go of the breath of the body and you everything goes on to the nimitta that purely mental and you go into this purely mental experience and lose the body right By that point, if you want to stay connected with the body, you will have been doing other things. But certainly if that were to happen and you started to be, we could do the exact opposite of that. We could take the nimiton, bring it into the body. It's the exact opposite of going into the nimetan bringing it into the body. And you haven't lost anything. You haven't lost the depth of samadhi. You haven't lost any of the bliss. And we're really doing what is actually in the the similes, taking the bliss, taking the jhana factors and suffusing them through the body. So it's just a different way. So again, it's just a question of how is it actually unfolding f- for each of us as individuals, and where do we want to head? That's why you can't just give one instruction. That's why no matter what kind of book you write on practice, be the best book in the world, it's not—it's going to give us some general guidelines, but it's not going to fit for everything because our experiences can be all over the place, right? So you, that's why we all need some guidance. And of course, at some point, it kicks in and takes over on its own, and then. Then it just then our inner wisdom guides us. Let me check in here. It's three ten. We're scheduled to end at four thirty. That's in an hour and twenty minutes. Um happy to take a short break if you need to. If you don't need to, if you want to, have to stretch for a minute or something like that, we can just keep going in the material a little and it may even be possible to have another sitting shorter one, but a sitting for the end too. So let me just take the pulse. I'm, I'm sure we're all in different places, but um, anybody want to say? Do you want to take a break or keep going? Okay. Okay, why don't we do this? Uh, let's take a minute. If you want to stand up. And then any time during the next hour, if you need to, you know, take care of yourself, go take a break if you want and step out. Because we're coming to the point, which I think is kind of the... Hopefully we can all come together now a little bit. Maybe it's already coming together, I don't know.